I'm Noah Massey. I am a uh, 27-year-old individual living with spina bifida. Um, it is a birth defect that I have had, of, of course, since birth. Um, basically what it is is a condition where uh, the spinal cord does not fully develop in, uh, I think, the first like month of pregnancy. So then uh, I was born with a hole uh, in my back and that uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Um, so I use a, uh, a manual wheelchair. I have a host of other conditions, uh, you know, um, that don't necessarily affect my day-to-day -day life. Um, but when you're disabled, typically, you know, it's, you, you buy one, you get three free, you know, <laughs> that, that's how I is, explain it. Is it like, um, is it a constellation of unrelated things or does everything funnel out of that first month birth defect of the spina bifida? Yeah. So no, they, they're, they're all connected. Um, I ha I have, um, because basically it's a, a neurological thing because you, um, you have damage to the, the spinal cord and the spinal cord is the thing that kind of, uh, connects to, to everything else. So, you know, I have a, a condition called hydrocephalus, um, which is where you have uh, an influx of too much um, uh, spinal fluid that is going to the brain. And so then uh, when I was very young, I, I don't know exactly how young, uh, they had to go in and put a shunt uh, in, uh, which is essentially like a valve that kind of redirects the flow of the spinal fluid so that it's flushing out the, uh, the excess fluid. Um, and then I have uh, Arnold Chiari, which is a, a condition that has to do with, the, um, I believe, the skull and kind of the, the placement of the skull uh, on, on the brain. And so... Um, but it's like you said, it's a bunch of things that kind of interconnect. Do you, um, do you feel confident about and enjoy speaking authoritatively about the things that affect you, the physical ailments that affect you, or do you get irritated about the fact that you have to explain this stuff again and again, if people ask you, um, you know, it. It depends, um, because, like, the thing about being a disabled person is that you do have to explain this stuff. And, and it can, I, I think it gets more annoying when you have people that themselves kind of want to interject their opinions um, into your experience. And it's like, well... You know, I've lived with this for 27 years. I know more about this than you do. Um, you know, and, and that's just human nature, that, that people want to help when, uh, if, if I'm complaining about, 
you know, something that has to do with getting in touch with doctors or, um, you know, they, they want to be able to help, but it's just kind of like, no, this is just kind of the grinds that I go through. And I'll, I'll happily explain anything that people want to know. Um, it's just usually the, the thing that gets me the most is how people go about wanting to know this information because people can get a little nosy sometimes. And if you're not necessarily willing to open up to some stranger that you just met, they can get a little touchy and it's like, well, I wouldn't go asking you your personal health information, um, especially in the manner that you did. So uh, why do you expect me to be okay with it? When I'm curious, you don't have to go with the worst encounter you had where you almost threw hands, but is there a typical, so I don't know, are you standing in line, a stranger commenting or asking a question, what does that typically look like? What kind of question will they ask you openly without having, knowing nothing about you, never met you? So I I have been lucky in that the questions have not been too invasive, but usually, usually um, when I was younger, it was people coming up to me and, you know, just asking, uh, you know, what's, what's wrong with him? What, what's wrong with his legs? And, and usually that was little kids. So then you can, you can kind of give them a break because kids are naturally curious and they don't always have, uh, have the tact. Um, but, you know, I know people that have, you know, gotten questions that are a bit more invasive, like, how do you go to the bathroom? How do you, you know, do this and, and that related to different bodily functions? And, um, right. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've, like I said, I've been very, uh, very, very lucky to not have too many situations. It's, it's again, mostly whether or not people are using, uh, using tact and, and sometimes, you know, people will stare at me and I'll give them a dirty look back. Um, (laughs) or, you know, when I was younger, my, my parents were more the people that would be willing to throw hands. They never did. Uh, but, but they would, they would get a, I mean, they would defend you. Yeah. If they thought, you know, uh, you know, if they thought like a kid was staring at me, they'd say something to the parents and then the parents would get kind of defensive, you know, so. So that's it. So you 27 years old, um, you've, you've lived with this all your life and now you're a 27 year old with a 27 year old's brain. As you think back to how you process things, you deal with them now, what emotionally was the thing you felt moving around the world in noticing you were different from some people and having people look and comment when you were a little kid? I think about my shyness and I think about how traumatic that was to be introverted and shy when I was young. Do you remember what what exactly did it feel like? How was it different from now? You're an adult, fully formed brain, lived with this a long time, know things to say, know your own boundaries. When you're a kid, like you don't know your own boundaries yet. What was that like? Yeah, I think for me that 
one of the things that I, I struggled with even as a kid was, and, and I guess this kind of does play more into, um, you know, not questions about my disability, but just the overall way that people acted around me is that there is a huge um, problem with people infantilizing disabled people. So, you know, I would be a nine-year-old kid and I would have full-grown adults talking to me like I was a four-year-old because they associate a physical disability with a cognitive one, you know, and, and even I would say for people that have cognitive disabilities, there's this assumption that, um, there's this assumption that they just because maybe they don't process things in the same way as someone without a disability, that somehow that means they are, uh, less intelligent by the, by virtue of having a cognitive disability. So then that makes them treat them as if they're a kid when really just because someone on the outside looks a certain way, um, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they can't, uh, that they aren't a human being that understands like what's going on and, um, yeah, and so I think as I grew up um, and just experienced that, I did get a little, uh, I guess, gun-shy, you could say, of people, because I'm like, I don't know how this interaction's going to go. I don't know how people are perceiving me. Uh, and, and that's a huge thing that I have, uh, I dealt with, through middle school into high school, and that definitely uh, affected the way that I communicated with my peers and in many ways um, chose not to uh, interact with my peers. Did you, did you feel like, did you stay guarded from everyone through middle school and high school, or did you find like a cadre of friends? So you'd go to your comfort zone. Those people are my comfort zone. I'm just going to avoid all the other people and go straight to them. Or did you feel unsettled at different times? You didn't have that comfort zone. So it, it's interesting that when I was in elementary school, I was a pretty, um, not a talkative kid. I've always been shy, but I was... Uh, a person that I I don't feel I had a hard time with making friends um, all throughout middle or all throughout elementary school. I always had like a core group every single year, and then around uh, fourth grade, but but really fifth grade, I started having a host of different medical issues that made it so that I had to be pulled out of school. And when I was in fifth grade, uh, that happened for an extended period of time. Um, I was out of school for like eight months and I was spending most of my time being surrounded by, uh, nurses, doctors, surgeons, my parents, you know, I had all these adult influences around me. And so I matured. I matured during that year, and when I came back for sixth grade, um, I found it 
so much harder to interact with my peers because I was, because I was also, uh, you know, I turned like 11 or 12 during that time. And that's kind of the age where that self-consciousness starts to turn on. And especially, yeah. And, and especially when you're disabled, the whole thing is you start to realize, oh, I'm, I'm different. And the other kids start to realize that. And so for many years, um, I still had uh, friends in middle school and there were, there were different kids that I had met in fifth grade that I talked to occasionally, but it wasn't until I was in high school I started playing adaptive sports and that's that's really where I started to find my people or you know uh a community where I felt a little bit more secure because it's like okay I'm around these people that that get it you know um they they get it and so you don't have to you don't you don't have to I didn't feel I had to put my guard up around those people because they they got it. Were those adaptive sports, were they in the school or was it like extra stuff out in the community? Uh, out in the community. So I grew up in uh, the Chicagoland area. I grew up in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. And um, uh, honestly, Chicago is a great place for adaptive sports. There are a lot of programs available. You're also living near the city, so that probably had a lot to do with it. And um, yeah, so I just I I found out about uh, this sport called sled hockey. That yeah, it's it's a really cool sport. It it's very similar to uh ice hockey except the players are uh placed in these bucket-shaped sleds that have skates uh on the bottom of them like little small little uh ice skates and you have two uh 6-inch hockey sticks that have metal picks at the butt end and so you grab the heel of the hockey sticks and you make a rowing motion similar to if you were skiing and that's how you propel yourself on the ice because the the pick grazes the ice wait how do you how many how many uh how many feet are we talking about on the sled and how do you turn it so you turn it by using the sticks because, you know, you have, um, these, like I said, the, the, the picks graze the ice. So basically you just have to turn, turn your torso the way you want to go. And then of course you're digging into the ice. And, and so that's kind of how you, how you turn it. Like I said, it it's very similar to the way you would use the sticks if you were uh if you were skiing and you're making similar similar motions. Okay, and just because I'm I'm uh I'm have struggle with physics, do you have are you on is it two skates like side by side or is it four like on so uh 
So most sleds uh, have two skates, and then the better that you are, you can start to move the skates uh, in more. And what that does is that helps your turning radius. Okay, because that's what I was thinking about. The hard thing to me when you described this was going up and down didn't seem as tough as having to turn. You think about all the sudden turning people are doing. Okay, so that's like a higher level skill. Once you get good at that turning, you can get something that allows you to be a little more finesse about that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so basically, the more you come in with the skates, you know, it it's like you're using one one skate and then um yeah, yeah. Okay. What why did that attract you? I mean, were there other adaptive sports you could have chosen and there was something about that that grabbed you? Yeah, so one of the things, well, so I had heard about sled hockey actually when I was in elementary school. I had a physical education teacher that printed out uh, an article about the Paralympic uh, team, I guess, when they won gold uh, the first time. And so I had always had it in the back of my mind. And I had, I had gr- growing up, I had thought about doing wheelchair basketball. And then I went to a game and it, it was intense because these people, like, they would be dribbling and, and making all these mo- moves and they would topple over and they would push themselves back up immediately. And I, I think part of it was, I was like, wow, that that's a pretty, pretty uh, far way to fall, you know, because you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in your chair. Whereas if you're in a sled, you're, you're on the ground. So if you tip over, it, it's not that bad. So, um, and I think I'd probably seen online some sled hockey play. So I was kind of like, I like the way they move. I, I, I think it's very fluid and, and very kind of cool and fast paced. And so I wanted to give it a try. And I had a connection um, who was able to tell me about this team um, uh, that was about an hour away from my house. And, uh, and so that was, that, that, that was mostly it that, that, I was interested in it and I had the connection um, to be able to get into it. Growing up, was it just you, your mom and dad? How, what, what did your, what did your normal family life look like? Yeah. So I, uh, I have an older sister. She's about four years older than me. Um, so yeah, but it was just the two of us and then, and then our parents. So you're the so you have the one youngest. older sister. You're yeah, the youngest. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so as a child and as a teenager and as an adult, what kind of what kind of relationships did you have with your family members? Were any of them ever more or less difficult than other teenagers, or more or less difficult than other kids? Like as you reflect back, do you say, "Oh, we had these"? There were extra pressures that made it feel different for me as I reflect back. Um, I I don't think so. I think we were. A very close family growing up. Sorry about that. Uh, we were a very close family growing up just because of the nature. Um, I mean, we all got along, but also because of the nature of my disability and what that 
kind of meant. Um, I very much relied on my parents growing up. Um, and then, you know, my relationship with my sister was fine. I, I think she worried about me a lot. Um, so I definitely always felt the support from her, um, which, which was good because, you know, if you're going to be a successful person, then you need the support of your family. And I, I think that's even more true when you grow up, uh, uh, disabled. Did you like, did you like school in general? Would you describe it? I enjoyed school. And did you go after high school, graduated high school? Did you go off to college? What did, what did you do? So I, I didn't enjoy school. Um, and, and it's, it's nothing crazy. It's just the usual, like, this is school. I, I go there. I have to go there. So I'm gonna, gonna do it. Um, it, it, it was always important to me that I did well, and I always applied myself. I was always, you know, a well-behaved student because, you know, I didn't want to create any problems for myself. Um, and, and it was also very important because my parents instilled in me this idea that, you know, um, people are going to doubt you, so you do want to make sure that you're doing all that you can to uh, prove them wrong. And so I always applied myself and, and so it was never, interestingly enough, it was never a question about whether or not I was going to college. That was always the goal is, um, is, uh, to make that happen. And, um, and yeah, so I got my bachelor's in communications and, uh, yeah, I graduated in 2018, and uh, yeah, now I'm working for an event planning company, and uh, yeah. Uh, who today, as 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 you're an adult, how much support do you need on a day to day, a week to week, month to month level from you know medical care providers or home care providers or people at work? Or is it, have you been able to settle into, I feel really self-sufficient about most of this stuff? Um, so it definitely, it is something that I'm still working on. I'm not exactly at the level of independence that I want to be at currently. Um, I, I still live with my parents. Um, Mm -hmm. so uh yeah and i mean the goal is that i live on my own um at some point and um w- whether that means that i'm going to need some level of in home care uh i'm i'm not quite sure that's something that i still have to be able to look at and address um and uh a lot of that is that i just need to be able to, if I'm going to be independent, I need to be comfortable with uh, getting those supports and and realizing that it doesn't have to all be on me and that um, that I can I, I can figure out what it is that I'm able to do for myself and the rest of it I can uh, 
figure out what it is that I need to do to be able to have the life that I want to have. Is there a particular bench like right now you're like, as you think about these things? So I was interested. It sounds like you had a pretty, I like kind of sophisticated risk reward uh, knowledge. Like when you're talking about the sports, like you're like, I looked at that sport. It looked fun, but also kind of intense and a little risky. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe not. It just seemed like a very sort of mature, responsible way to evaluate the sport. What is your sort of mature, responsible benchmark? Like what's the next benchmark you're aiming for of something? Like I want to move out. I want my job to do this. I want to be able to do that. Yeah, I I think, um, I, I mean, I guess the benchmark is the, is always going to be the job first. You know, I I want to make sure that I am in um, in a position where uh, I am able to, uh, you know, work a, a full time job. Um, I I don't currently drive. Um, so, so I guess that would be one of the first real big moves is maybe, uh, learning how to drive, getting some work outside of the house just, just so that I can know that I can be out in the world. Um, I, is that mostly a money thing or a bureaucratic thing or a like, I don't know, it just seems a little scary to do it. So I've kind of held off. Um, well, so it's uh, i think it's mostly that it's scary um i okay uh i do deal with a lot of anxiety especially when it comes to um things like driving and so i had gotten a driving evaluation done when i was about 19 and they decided that i wasn't ready for uh to move forward with lessons and so it's something that i haven't uh, revisited, and I've probably built up that fear in my mind over the years. So that's something that I kind of um, have to work on. But you know, I'm I'm at a point in my life where I'm really starting to think about my future and and think about um, just wanting wanting more you know, not, I, I'm, I'm still kind of driven by fear, but at the same time, I'm, I'm starting to realize that I, I need to be able to move forward with my life. And so there are things that I'm going to have to face if, if I want to be able to do that. When it, so about the, it, is it always just an ever was it an ever present fear you can remember it's just you have to worry about things other people don't have to worry about or you have to worry about different things or were there incidents where like you took the risk and you got smacked down for it so you got hurt or you whatever you got in trouble are there risks you took that sort of now you're like more hesitant to take the risks or have just throughout your life you're like i've kind of been a non-risk taker i feel it's more that i've never been a risk taker you know i i grew up kind of relying on my parents probably more than I needed to. And I, I think there was kind of comfort in, because, um, as I said earlier, like academically I killed it. I, I was doing really good. And so I kind of looked at it as, well, I have a win, you know, I'm, I'm 
doing really good in school. And so I looked at these other things as kind of, um, as they, they don't really matter right now because what matters right now is making sure that I keep passing my classes, that I keep advancing. You're a kid, your job is right. Yeah. And, and, and so I think there was a lot of comfort because I had things that I knew were going to be challenges down the road. And I had those things covered because I had that support. And, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, um, I mean, nobody wants to be super reliant on their parents as they, uh, as they grow older. Um, and I, and, and I do think when you're disabled, you do typically have to rely on your parents a little bit more than the average person. But, I, I think I'm at a point in my life where I'm starting to, uh, you know, uh, like I said, starting starting to want more and kind of realizing what that means in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we we kind of st- we kind of started with talking about you know as an adult and as a kid how people look at you or talk to you and how that can be annoying sometimes. I'm wondering if. Do, does anybody ever ask you, hey, how would you want to be approached in general, either etiquette that you've picked up from talking to uh, advocates or experts or fellow people who have gone through your life? What should people do if somebody sees a kid or an adult and they're not quite sure they do seem different? There may be a disability or not, but they don't know. Are there ideal ways that you wish? I wish people would ask this way. And I wish they wouldn't. They might look this way, but not stare this way. Do you ever give people advice? What would that advice be? I think the best. It, it's, it is a difficult thing because it's something that I, uh, like I said, that I have been burned before. Um, but I, I think the best way to go about it is saying, Hey, you know, I, I, I wanted to come up to you because of X reason. Um, could you tell me a little bit about more about yourself? If you don't want to, that's fine. But I would just, I, I was just curious and thought it, it was better to ask than, um, than to assume anything. You know, I, I think you have to you have to show some grace. You have to um you have to come into it with the mindset that a lot of people do get very personal when they definitely shouldn't. And so I think you have to be respectful of that and just say, hey, I I'm interested in knowing more about you. If you don't want to share, that's fine. Um, and you have to be comfortable with that answer. There there are people that um, maybe they're having a bad day and they don't want to get into it right now because they don't want to think about their problems. Um, and that's especially true if you're dealing with a person that, you know, uh, has become disabled rather than... Uh, has been born disabled because they may still be going through that grieving process. Um, and so, yeah, I think just 
like I said, entering that conversation with a lot of grace and understanding where that person is coming from um, is the best way to approach it. I was going to ask you, you mentioned that thing about the difference between say you're, you're, you're born with something or you get it along the way and how, obviously, as you said, there's a, an adjustment process that maybe some people don't need to go through from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. Have you had to adjust a lot to the way your body and your conditions have changed over time? Or does a lot of the stuff has stayed fairly even? It was like this when I was a kid. It was like this when I was an adolescent. And it's like this now when I'm 27. Um, I, I don't, th- I, I, I think some things have changed. I, I feel more it's a mindset thing that has changed is that I have had to, uh, I have had to deal with my own internalized ableism, which is uh, your own like discriminatory beliefs about yourself and, and your disability. And I, I feel like that's been the hardest thing is growing up and seeing things that maybe they didn't affect me as much when I was a kid. And now that I'm getting older, uh, they do affect me and affect how I see myself and my future. And so I have to kind of take a step back and kind of check myself and uh, realize what it is that I am doing in order to kind of move forward. Um, I don't, I don't believe in harping on it because it's not something that I can change. You know, um, I can surely find ways to make myself, uh, be able to cope better and be able to deal with the physical stuff better. Um, but it, it doesn't help to get in those thought patterns because, my situation isn't changing anytime soon. 